you know, last week, uh, Dan got up here and gave us an update on the building, right? And if you were here, uh, what you heard Dan say is that what we have committed to as a church was running about 40 grand shy of the budget. On Monday, we received a donation for $40,000. Okay? So my heart has been very warm all week. Uh, that's just one of those things that happens that you go, praise God. Uh, and so we are so excited. Um, Dan, we're, we've got the building open. We're going to continue to keep it open on Sunday so that you can go through. Because even though we received that, we still want you to adopt a room. We want you to go see what we're about to be in. And so if you haven't seen it lately, after church, go in, take a tour, look at the rooms, pick out your favorite, and uh, Sunday school classes or individuals, whatever you want to do. If you want to make a donation to a particular room and adopt a room, you can still do that. The next step that we are taking is to get the AC on so that we can have a taping party. We're going to tape all the joints on the drywall, but we're going to do it in AC. So that's really good news. So I just wanted to let you all know, God is moving. We are excited. We're going to go to God in prayer this morning uh, as we kick things off in worship. So will you pray with me? Lord, we are grateful for this day. We are grateful for the ability to come and worship in this place. We are grateful for the beauty that surrounds us. I know that it's only uh, been a few weeks for me, but I can't get over this view out this window. And as I look out over uh, this field and trees, trees that were here long before any of us were, I just stand in awe of your creativity and your goodness. The fact that we are breathing right now is a mystery and a miracle. And so to be able to come to this place, gather together as a church family, to lift up the name of Jesus, to worship together, it's an honor for us and a privilege. And so we're thankful and we're grateful. And Lord, as we come to this place, we come... Uh, desiring to give you our gifts, our sacrifices of praise, prayer, uh, seeking you in the scriptures, in our tithes and offerings. And yet, as I mentioned in our first service this morning, every single person who has walked in the door this morning is carrying some kind of baggage something that is weighing them down this morning. And Lord, we want to worship you in spirit and truth um, with no thing that would stand in the way of all of our devotion and attention. And so you ask us to bring us, bring you our deepest concerns. You ask us uh, to be totally present, uh, if, if not just for this hour, I mean for all week, but at least for this hour, just to be totally present. And, and if we're honest, 
it's hard for us to do that because we have cares and concerns. We have people that we're worried about. We have situations that we're concerned about. Job changes, uh, uh, political climates, uh, our loved ones who do not know you and we long for them to know you. These things are sitting on our hearts and our minds this morning. And so we want to just give them to you because you ask us to do that. As your children, you ask us to tell you our deepest concerns and then leave them at your feet. And so we're going to do that this morning. We want to call out the names of those things that are keeping us from being totally present this morning. And then we're going to give them to you and leave them at your feet. And as we say this, Lord, as a congregation, we will say, Lord, hear our prayer. so we lift these names to you now. John Hathaway. Lord, hear our prayers. 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 Our children's ministry and kids. Lord, hear our prayers. 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 Tracy Odin. Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, we lift these to you, and I'm certain that there are dozens of unspoken and silent prayers being lifted up to you. We give these to you now. We believe that where two or three are gathered, that Jesus is among us in a special way, and so we give these to Jesus right now. And we trust and believe that even as we are here that your presence is in the world, working toward the good of all who love you. And so we cling to that hope. We cling to that promise. And Lord, as we leave this place, I pray that we wouldn't pick those things back up, that they would leave them at the feet of Jesus. You are a good God. You are worthy of all of our worship. You are worthy of all honor and all glory. And it is in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. We all stand. Let's sing some more. We need all the children. Are we doing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We need all the kids to come up. All the kids, if you're a kid in this place, if you consider yourself a kid, you can come up too. But the, the, the children are going to do something special for us. Check, check. Check.
Come on up, kiddos. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. We can't sit down because we can't stand. No, you got to stand up here. Come on. It's their special time. Okay. For everybody that doesn't know the moves, Ella, Jay, and Kayla are going to show you what we're doing. We're singing "Our God is an Awesome God." Our God is awesome God, and uh, they have awesome God. Yeah. So y'all show them how y'all show them how it's done. Okay. Just watch out for the candles. So we're going to do. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. We can all do that, right? Just show, will you show us that one more time? Show us that one more time. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Okay, good. Let's do it. Let's do it. One, two, three, four. That was practice. Our God is an awesome God. His thunder is just as lightning in his fist. Our God is an awesome God. And the Lord wasn't joking when he kicked him out of Eden. Wasn't no reason that he shed his blood. His turn is very close, so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wind. stay up here because I'm going to ask you some questions. Y'all can be seated. All right. So what I want to know, show of hands, who has a nightlight at home? A nightlight. Does anybody want to describe their nightlight? Tell us all again, because we want to know about this thing. Tell us, what is your nightlight? A camo nightlight. Now, does it shine out camo? Camo. It's just the nightlight itself is camo, but the no. light is like regular no. light, right? It's not on. <laughs> we can hear you. I can't hear myself. I already said my nightlight. It's camo. 
It's camo. All right, we're just going to have to see it someday. Anybody else? Nightlight is really just a salt lamp. Okay. All right, good. It keeps out bad energy. Okay. Has someone else? I have a diffuser, but I don't really use it that often. Does it glow, though? It's a diffuser that glows with some light, too? Uh, yeah. Okay, good. Yes? I still can't hear. Me and my sister have two nightlights. Okay, tell us. So, so one time at our house, at our house we got creative, and you did, and you did a bike night, nightlight. So, 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 so I decorated in our room. Uh huh. So then, for our room we got another light, and it's bright, and so the, it used to be a dinosaur light, but it kind of broke. So then it's like a normal light; it changed colors. Oh, that's cool! Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so we we uh, have night lights because why? Just in case. Just because we're scared of the dark. We're scared of the dark and some. Right, we're a little bit scared of the dark. You can say it. Say it in the mic. We're scared of the dark. Yeah. So so sometimes we get a little scared at night, and so we have a little night light so that if you wake up in the middle of the night, you can see that there's a little light shining, and you don't have to be scared. Or if you're like me and you have to get up for some reason in the middle of the night. You have a little light so you can see where you're going and you don't have to trip over anything. Well, we're going to be talking today about the things that we're scared of. And you know, the Bible says that Jesus is our light. So that when we are scared, we can fix our eyes on Jesus. We can think about Jesus. We can pray to Jesus. And the light of Jesus makes the darkness go away. Did you know that? So night lights are really just kind of like uh, a reminder that Jesus is always with us, which is pretty darn cool. Yeah, it's like a mini Jesus, right? So I thought maybe we could just pray and thank Jesus for being there for us and to help us not be scared. Okay, does that sound good? All right, good. Jesus, we thank you that you are a light. And when we are frightened about things that we can pray to you, that we can read about you in the Bible, that we can think about you, fix our thoughts upon you, and that when that happens, that we won't be scared anymore. Help us not to be scared. Help us to tell other people that it's okay, that they don't have to be scared either. And we ask that you bless our family, bless our friends, bless our pets, because they need lots of blessing. And please continue to bless this awesome church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Good job, guys. Thanks for sharing your stories. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we might hear with joy what you have to say to us today. Amen. Our scripture reading today, we're working our way through 1 Peter. We are in chapter 3 today, verses 13 through 22. Hear now the scripture. Now who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? 
But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear, and do not be intimidated. But in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if suffering should be God's will, than to suffer for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to Him. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lords, may the, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen and amen. So we are uh, in First Peter. We are looking at this letter that he wrote to some of his friends. Uh, he's talking to them about how to live lives that are set apart, which we talked about holiness. Holiness simply means something that has been set apart for God's divine purposes. We don't live a certain way in order to be called holy. We live in a certain way or we strive to live a certain way because God has called us holy. Amen? Amen. And so in this, we've established one important fact. And that is, God is in the business of setting things apart. God does this. We know this from the scriptures. God sets things apart, calls them holy. Chiefly, one of those things, I wouldn't say a thing, it's us, people, right? God sets us apart as individuals, as a congregation, as a denomination, as the church universal. God has set us apart for His good purposes. And this is done by grace. This is a work of grace. This is a free gift from God. So as I was kind of preparing for this sermon this week, uh, I, I always look for something new that I had never considered before or thought about. When I preach a word to you, I'm not preaching stuff that I already know. This is stuff that I am learning along the way and I'm passing it along to you for what it's worth. And you can tell me if it's good or chuck it out. But one of the things that I came across this week, uh, one of the questions that popped up for me was this. So God is in the business of setting things apart. God does that. What about humans? Do we set things apart for some special purpose? I think the answer is yes, we do do that. Now, I think back to my childhood when I was... Uh, uh, younger, I had posters on the wall of my bedroom. Who had posters on their wall? 
What kind of posters did you have? Sports heroes, musicians, celebrities. For me, the musicians that made it on my wall, these were set apart as special musicians. Not everybody got a spot on my wall. Only certain musicians. These were the, the best. These were the top tier. They had moved out of the category of just being a, a, a musician to some kind of superstar in my mind. I had set them apart. Now, I don't know if I would define them as holy at the time, but really that's what was going on. I had, in my mind, set them apart, elevated them to a certain status. And I think, well, there's all kinds of things that we as humans set apart. Musicians, politicians, symbols, ideologies, uh, ways of life, ways of thinking, ways of being, all kinds of things, knowingly or unknowingly, we have categorized those in our mind as separate, as something different from the other things in the same category. We consecrate things. And so then I was thinking, well, is there anything in the human experience in which uh, one single thing that we all consecrate? And I think the answer is yes. I think the one thing that every human on the planet sets apart in their minds, in their hearts, are the things that we fear the most. The things that we fear the most. You know, Dunkin' Donuts says the world runs on Dunkin', but I would say, no, I think the world runs on fear. Because since the very beginning of time, every man, every woman, every child has been afraid of something. And because these fears take on a holy or perhaps an unholy place in our lives, they begin to uh, uh, influence the choices that we make. Think about this for a moment. Adam and Eve... When they disobeyed God, what did they do? Ran and hid. Why did they run and hide? Afraid of God's response to their choice. We don't know how God's going to respond. We're going to run and hide. Think about Cain and Abel. Cain killed his brother Abel. Why? Because he made a sacrifice and his brother made a sacrifice to God. And God preferred Abel's sacrifice. And so Cain is now afraid. You're taking attention God's attention is now not gazing upon me. It's gazing upon you. I don't like that. I'm afraid that God's not going to notice me or pay attention to me. So I'm going to get you out of the picture. Fear. Fear is what drove these actions. Wars. Every war that has ever existed has been started because of fear. Lies are told because of fear. Crimes are committed because of fear. I, I, I told the first service this. I, I haven't done the theological work to back this up yet, but I'd be willing to stay to say right here, right now, that at the root of every single sin is probably fear of, in some form or fashion. Fear drives us to do things that we wouldn't normally do or shouldn't do. And so Peter here is writing to uh, what we've described or what we think is probably non-Jewish Christians living in Roman culture, 
uh, receiving criticism uh, for not participating in Roman life, who are afraid because of the suffering and the persecution that they're receiving. And Peter is encouraging them in the midst of this fear. Your fear is going to try to get you to act in ways contrary to your faith. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I imagine uh, what this must be like, you know, 2,000 years ago in this setting. But perhaps you've got a neighbor that, that at one time you were really close to these neighbors, but now you put your trust in Jesus Christ and all of a sudden your, your friend is now your enemy. I think about family members. We know about family dynamics whenever uh, people don't agree within an own family, right? You, all of a sudden you come to faith in Jesus Christ and your family's going, why you got to be so weird about this Jesus dude? Like you're acting crazy. Just, you know, just be normal, right? Some of you are smiling because you know, you go to Thanksgiving time and we know that at some point, uh, and increasingly, the Roman authorities would single out Christians because they would not adhere to Roman culture. They would not bow down to Caesar. They would not uh, serve in the Roman military because it was against their conscience. They wouldn't do it. And so eventually, they just started crucifying Christians. If you're not going to play by our rules, we'll just go ahead and do away with you. Right? And so this is, this is the fear that's kind of welling up in this moment as Peter is writing this letter to these Christians, encouraging them, do not stray from your faith. Hold fast to what you believe to be true. And so what Peter does, pretty brilliant for a preacher or for a, a teacher or whatever, is he reaches back into Israel's history and plucks out a time in which uh, the ancestors of our faith the, the ancient Hebrews were very afraid. And he quotes uh, from Isaiah and brings that into the modern context for them. And this is what he quotes from Isaiah chapter 8. I think we've got it on the screen. We're going to get it on the screen. For the Lord spoke thus to me while his hand was strong upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, saying, do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what it fears or be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall regard as holy. Now let me give you a little context here. Peter's quoting Isaiah. Let me tell you about what's going on in Isaiah's world about a thousand years before this. Uh, the, the Hebrews had split into two nations, north and south. In the north, they had their own center of worship. They had their own temple. In the south, in Jerusalem was their center of worship and their temple. In the north, there is a greater kingdom called Assyria. And Assyria is bearing down upon the northern kingdom and their neighbors, Syria. And so at this time, the northern Hebrews, along with Syria, travel down to Jerusalem. And they're knocking on the door of the walls. And they said, let us in. And join us in a fight against Assyria. We're going to band together and we're going to knock them out. And if you don't, we're going to knock you out right now. We're ready to do it. And so the inhabitants of Jerusalem are scared. Do we join them in a fight against this huge enemy? Uh, do we ignore them and take them on, our own brothers and sisters, uh, children of Abraham? What do we do? And a word comes to Isaiah from the Lord. Do not fear what these people fear. 
Do not be intimidated by them. Do not be afraid. Don't call conspiracy everything that they're calling conspiracy. Chill out. Just hold on. It's going to be okay. Now think about this scenario, right? The Hebrews of the north are extremely afraid. The Syrians are extremely afraid. The folks in Jerusalem, extremely afraid. I imagine the Assyrians, for whatever reason, were afraid of something. Losing power, losing strength. There's some reason they're attacking, right? Fear is all over this whole situation. And it's clouding everybody's judgment. Everybody is acting crazy because they're scared. And God says, don't be afraid. Instead, God says, instead, regard me as holy. Set me apart in your own lives. Consecrate me. Not because I need you to say that I'm holy. I am holy. But in your hearts, set me apart. And so Peter rephrases this for his audience. In your hearts, sanctify or set apart Christ as Lord. This is what I think Peter is saying. You have elevated your fears to a certain status, a certain, certain place. You have given a, a rein to your fears uh, in your lives. And I need you to replace those with Christ as Lord because your fears hold no eternal significance. But Christ is eternal. Not only that, your fears don't deserve the special status you're giving them. Don't do that. Because your fears are not special. They are common to all humanity. Everybody is afraid. I came across a devotional. I have this weekly, or this daily devotional that's delivered to my email box. This guy named Terry Hershey writes some great stuff, but... He wrote this particular story, and I, I just felt like I've got to include this because this speaks to what I'm trying to say here. This is what Terry wrote this, this week. Jacob, almost 70, finds himself in the mid-stages of Alzheimer's. For over 20 years, a clinical psychologist and mediator, Jacob is now acutely aware that his faculties are deteriorating. On occasion, his mind and recall are totally blank. At times, he needs help with rudimentary ta uh, physical tasks. Even so, Jacob's spirit does not break. At a retreat, Jacob is asked, how can you be so accepting toward your disease? Jacob tells a story about an experience at an event which happened in the earlier stages of the disease when he traveled and gave talks. On one occasion, a hundred meditation students, alert and eager, gathered. He looked out at the expectant faces and suddenly didn't know what to say or do. He didn't know where he was or why he was there. With his heart pounding and his mind spinning in confusion, Jacob put his palms together at his heart and began naming out loud what was happening inside. Afraid, embarrassed, confused, feeling like I'm failing, Powerless, shaking, sense of dying, sinking, lost. 
In time, he relaxed and grew calm. He lifted his head and apologized to the audience. Students were in tears. No one has ever taught us like this, said many. Which begs the question, what exactly did he teach? And what is the lesson to be learned here? The lesson is that everybody is afraid. Everybody in this room, everybody you meet, has fears of some form or fashion. And all the world, everybody you meet, at some point in their lives, have given rein to those fears. They have elevated those fears to a certain status within their lives. And everybody, whether they know it or not, longs to be saved from their fears. We talk about salvation is going to heaven. Let me tell you, salvation is more than just going to heaven. Salvation is being free from the things you fear the most. You see, Jacob was brave enough to name these fears raw and unfiltered to an audience he didn't even know. And in doing so, he unseated those fears from the throne of his heart. This is what Peter is talking about. In your hearts, unseat the fears that you have given reign and instead set Christ apart as Lord in your hearts. Now when you do this, folks, let me tell you, it doesn't mean that the fears just magically go away. We're still afraid. What it does mean, though, is that the fears are no longer in the driver's seat. They are no longer in Control. Your fear is no longer calling the shots. It means knowing that we are loved, which casts out fear. First John. Perfect love casts out fear, removes it from the driver's seat. And Peter says, when this happens, when you learn the secret, when you replace your fears with Christ as Lord, People are going to know it. They're going to notice. They're going to take note. And they're going to begin to ask you, what is your secret? Why are you not afraid like the rest of us are afraid? What do you know that we don't know? And this is your opportunity. This is your chance to tell people about Jesus. But he says, do it with all gentleness and reverence. Do it with respect, carefully. Why? Because they're afraid. And people who are afraid act out of character and do some really stupid things. So be gentle with them. But tell them the good news of Jesus. That Jesus has overcome our fears. That Jesus saves us from our fears. So my question to you this morning is, what are you afraid of? What did you enter into this room afraid of this morning? Have you given power to those fears by setting them apart and giving them a status they don't deserve? See, God has called you holy. God has called you holy and set you apart. Now the question is, will you do the same for him? 
will you consider God holy? Not because he needs you to. He's already holy. Will you recognize his holiness within your heart? Will you let God rule your heart? Set Christ apart in your heart as Lord. Gaze upon him and see that he truly is extraordinary and worthy of that top spot, that only spot. Turn to the Lord in your scariest moments. Let his perfect love cast out fear. And give the world a reason to ask you about your hope. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.